Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 731. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at Rabbi Yismach at Take10FortTorah.org. Today's 10 is sponsored by the Lewis family in memory of Fred Lewis, Fawal Yitzchak, Ben Aftali Dov, May the Torah that we learn be an ilui for his neshama. So yesterday we were discussing some elements of Pesach and Chametz and what we need to do and avoid. And we talked about the basic ingredients of chametz, which is flour, any flour from the five grains, barley, rye, oats, wheat, and spelt, and water. Okay, so we talked about what happens if I don't have the right flour, and uh, take a look there, what if I uh, don't have the right water, so we discussed that as well. So when it comes to uh, gebrachts, uh, gebrachts is something that you've probably heard of. What is gebrachts? So gebrachts is a very interesting custom that began a few hundred years ago amongst uh, many Hasidic communities, particularly Chabad. Gebrachts is the custom where out of concern that either uh, there might be little pockets of flour that were not kneaded well into your matzah. So if you break matzah or use matzah with water, that flour can come in contact with the water and then make chametz. Or perhaps the concern that flour that is made into matzah meal looks exactly like regular flour, and because it does, then you're going to confuse it with regular flour. Because of that concern, the idea of either crushing up matzah, using matzah meal, or putting matzah, dipping matzah, or spreading different types of liquid onto matzah is forbidden. And this is something which is a custom of some communities. Um, you see this a lot now on, on hotel ad, ad advertisements where it says we are non-gebrachts. I guess you know you want as many people to be able to come to your hotel program as possible, in which case everything pretty much on the table at a Pesach Seder ends up being made out of a potato because there's not much else. But the custom is mainly found by Hasidim, and those with uh, that origin, you know, for a few generations back. Chabad takes it very, very seriously, and you've probably heard stories, people eating over plastic bags with gloves, this type of idea. That's the idea of gebrachts, and that's a chumrah that not a lot of people, uh, maybe a lot of people, I don't know, but uh, many people do not, do not hold of. So, there's also another important issue to understand between chametz versus sa'ar. Yesterday we mentioned that the Torah discusses two different types of chametz that are prohibited. One type, which is known as chametz, one is known as sa'ar. Chametz is considered, you know, edible leavened bread. Sa'ar is generally something which is used as a leavening agent. It began as edible for people, but now is really only edible for, uh, you know, dogs, animals. It's like sourdough, something like that. No one's going to really uh, have a bite of that, but an animal might. Chametz is food, and sa'ar is not really food, but it is edible. Both of those things, even if it's the type of thing that a human being would not eat, if it's a dirty cookie, right, as long as it's still a cookie and it's edible, that would still be a chametz problem. When do we not have a chametz problem? When is something considered to be uh, nothing anymore, nothing of a Pesach concern? When it is nifsal me'achilas kelev. It is disqualified when from even uh, a dog eating it. A dog is not going to be interested. It's a macaroni covered in paint, something like that. It's just a dog is not going to eat it. It's not edible, period. This is true of many cosmetics and things like that. Uh, and that is uh, something, if you have any specific questions, you know, ask whoever it is that you ask your questions to. All right. So now, with all of that background, we get to the idea of cleaning for Pesach. So what exactly am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be avoiding. So we do a lot of redundancies when it comes to cleaning for Pesach. Number one, we do something called bitol chametz, which is nullification, a verbal nullification. And we also do bidika and bir chametz. Bidika and bir chametz is the search and destruction of chametz, the search and destroy mission 
we go through. Now, this is very redundant, right? By Torah law, probably only bitel chametz is enough. Just nullify it verbally, say anything that I have is just uh, not mine. It's onerless. It's, it's, it's not, uh, it doesn't belong to me. Technically, I don't own it anymore. Technically, it's not mine. Why do we also, in addition, go and do bedika chametz as well and beer chametz and destroy? So first of all, the bitel will depend on sincerity. A person has to be really willing to make the statement that all of this, my my $1,000 scotch collection, whatever it is that a person has, that is null and void. It means nothing to me. Does a person mean such a thing? It's dependent on sincerity, which is why searching and destroying is probably, and it's, a, it's added additionally because it's wiser. There's another issue relating to will you eat it, right? You know, if I come across it and it's a delicious piece of chocolate cake, uh, I could have bittled all the way, uh, all the way, but uh, I it's still something that if I go walk into, I'm going to eat, right? The other way, why isn't the search and destroy enough? Why do we also make a verbal nullification? Simply because what if I miss something? You know, so I missed the, the cookie behind the couch, uh, or I missed the, the, the something that I had in the freezer in the back, and I missed it. So I want it that it should be, I do not own this thing. So I do have to rely on Bittel, and I do have to rely on the Bidika and the beer, the search and destro- destruction of all of the chametz. Now that search is done on the night of the 14th, which generally is the night before Pesach. This year, we don't do it on the night of the 14th this year because Shabbos is Erev Pesach. We do not do it on the night before. We do it on the two days before, which is the Thursday night before Pesach. Generally, the reason we all do it on that night is for the purposes of uniformity. We want everybody to be doing it. Really, we're doing it all month. If you think about it, we're doing B'dikas Chametz and we're cleaning out rooms and we're cleaning out dresses and drawers, whatever it is that we're doing. That's all B'dikas Chametz. It's just when do we make the bracha on the formal act of B'dikas Chametz? That's happening the night before Pesach. Back in the day, it could be that a one-house, one-room house uh, was able to be covered in just one night. Nowadays, you know, blessedly, we are in a situation where it's much harder, it takes much longer to clean. So we clean in advance of the night before Pesach, and that really is also B'dikas Chametz. But we only make a bracha the night before. And this year, we make a bracha two nights before, and that's because you know we only make the bracha in a situation where I'm done. I'm done, and everything that I have left is designated. I know what's the story with every little piece of chametz that remains. That's why we do it on a particular night for uniformity. That's why we make the bracha on that night. Now, why do we do it at night? Isn't it dark at night? And the answer is it is dark. But that allows us to get into nooks and crannies and corners with artificial light. Artificial light will allow us to light up cracks and corners in a way that is impossible by day because of shadows, etc. And the contrast at night allows us to see things that we would not be able to see during the day. Okay, so now, um, what are we looking for when we're doing B'dikas Chametz? This is probably the most important thing that we're going to talk about. And that is, we're looking for Chametz, which is the size of a Kezayis. Again, the issue of ownership when we are just worried about may I own chametz over Pesach, the issue of ownership is only applicable when I have a kezayis, an olive-sized piece of chametz in one area. So if I have a lot of crumbs, let's say, in one area, that would also be an issue. But if we're talking about a crumb here and a crumb there and this room and that room, each has a crumb, this is not something which is of any significance, okay? Um, that's, not, uh, that's not something we have to worry about. And if something is just really dirt, Dogs don't eat dirt. It's not an issue. So when we are looking and thinking about what we are supposed to find as part of our B'dikas Chametz, we're looking for kezayis-sized 
pieces. And where do we look? We look, as the Mishnah says, We look in the places where people bring chametz. If there is a room that you are sure no chametz has ever entered, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry on top of drawers and dressers and chandeliers, and you don't have to worry about it on window shades. I mean, you want to dust and you want to clean, and you want to wash the windows, that's great, but there's no chametz there. Let's just be clear. Under the fridge, if you don't generally move the fridge, you don't have to be concerned. Uh, if you are concerned, you can't deal with the fact that an Oreo, you're, you're aware of an Oreo that went underneath your fridge, you know, pour some sort of, uh, um, I don't know, cleaner under the fridge, and then it'll get gross, and even a dog wouldn't eat it, and you won't have to worry about it. But you don't really need to worry about areas in which you do not access. You don't generally get hungry, look for a snack behind your stove. Don't do that. So you don't have to worry about doing that on Pesach either. You don't need to unscrew things for the purposes of cleaning them. Okay, so you walk around the house and you think about where chametz may have been. Somebody may have been holding chametz while they went to get something. They put it down. They put a cookie down. Kids, of course, uh, mess around with everything. And so therefore, when kids are involved, one has to be concerned that maybe, I don't know, chametz got anywhere. It's in the toy chest. It's in the closet. It's here. It's there. Uh, Back in the day, they used to have the chuld of the weasel. You know, nowadays, pretty much children uh, do that as well. Children, of course, existed in those days as well, and that was a concern. Now, some areas where you have legitimate concern is pockets. You know, pockets, if you have a packaged cookie, and it'll still remain a packaged cookie, perfectly eatable uh, and edible when it comes to Pesach. So you have to check pockets and things, especially because of Purim. Purim coming a month before, you might have things in places that you didn't imagine. So it's good to pat down pockets. Do you have to stick your hand in all of them? Not necessarily. Just pat it down, make sure there's nothing there and then you're good. Where would there be a badika problem? So very commonly, a vacuum cleaner bag has a lot of chametz in it because you've been vacuuming. It's got more than a kazayas. They're legitimate crumbs, pieces of cookies. You know, an animal that's hungry would probably do a good job on your vacuum cleaner bag. That should be removed from your house because that's uh, very important. Now, possessing versus eating is very different. When we talk about eating chametz, we're not concerned about a kazayas. We're talking about even the slightest amount. So I guess tomorrow's class, let's talk a little bit about the idea of avoiding eating and how we're more stringent in the kitchen than in any other room. Have a great day.